Learning and development is not something you do at the beginning. It's something that you do every single day, every week. One of the things that we recruit against is that coachability and the mindset of always wanting to grow. That's a non-negotiable. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm excited to be joined today by Simon Kutis. Simon is an executive director and partner at SOAP, S-O-A-P, a London-based executive search firm on a mission to revolutionize the cybersecurity recruitment industry. Simon also is the host of his own podcast called Hunters and Unicorns. Welcome, Simon. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's brilliant to interview a fellow podcaster because you are super professional. You have all the right gear. Uh, the sound is going to be incredible on this. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled about that. Um, Simon, you were referred to me by my COO, Leanne Sarah Jones Hunt. How do you know Leanne? Uh, so Leanne was the person who got me my very first job ever in recruitment. <laughs> okay, wow, that's brilliant. Um, so wh- when was that? Wow, that was over a decade ago now. So... Um yeah. Amazing. Well, she speaks really highly of you and she's the one who, you know, strongly recommended that I reach out to you and, and get you on the show. And, uh, you know, she's kind of tracked your career. And since you guys set up Soap, which is a really exciting um, company and, you know, looks like you guys are doing interesting things. Um, yeah, she has placed something like 700 people into the recruitment industry over uh, over a 10 year period. She's uh, quite a dynamo. So I'm lucky to have her on board helping me scale my business. Um, Simon, can you briefly tell me about SOAP and how you guys are revolutionizing recruitment? It's quite a bold statement. Wow, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting one. So I, I suppose um, SOAP is a very interesting organization that, um, you know, when, when, when we first thought about what we wanted to do, I suppose we were a little bit reluctant to start our own business. And the reason for that is because we felt that the industry is very saturated. There are so many recruitment companies popping up, you know, into the industry. And when we started SOAP, we really wanted to do something which was very, very different. And so actually... You know, one of the first things that we did was we actually went and spent time internally um, and actually did talent acquisition roles. And this helped us understand the, the mechanics of recruitment in a very, very different perspective. So when we started SOAP, one of the things that we really wanted to do was bridge the disconnect between agency and the customer of, you know, the, 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 the kind of the end users that we're working with. So... We, we actually started with a service called Talent Acquisition as a Service, which is a kind of an in-house um, kind of outsourced type model. Um, and that's really where we started as a business to really go and work internally, work with our clients in a very, very different way. But actually, the business has evolved so, so hugely since then. Um, and I suppose, you know, the markets that we play, we, we do play in the cybersecurity and the, and the high tech uh, vendor space. But one of the things that really, really differentiates us is the fact that we are able to elevate ourselves away from a lot of the transactional kind of recruitment that, that, that the industry is built on. Um, and in order for us to really revolutionize the industry, 
what we're trying to do is impact, have transformational impact on our clients. And the only way we can do that is with a top-down strategy. So we work at a very, very senior level with our clients. Uh, we have very strategic conversations. And anything that we do from a recruitment perspective is to have a, a, a direct impact on the performance of the business. So, so even the way that we take our briefings, even the way that we engage, you know, the type of projects that we execute is very much... We don't want to have a recruitment conversation with you. We want to understand how recruitment enables the business transformation. And so that's how we're able to really have huge impact. Um, and, and, and this is how we're obviously scaling our business. Amazing. So uh, could you describe the, the, the sort of uh, product offering then? It, it, you know, it makes total sense. Engage at a senior level, mm-hmm. um, understand the business strategy, align what you're doing from a recruitment perspective to have uh, a significant impact on that company's vision and, and, and goals and so on. But what does that actually look like? What is the service you guys are, are delivering? Yeah, so I, I suppose there are a number of different services. So I, I mentioned the talent acquisition as a service. Um, I'd say the vast majority of the work that we do is now retained exclusive at, at the minimum. Um, so we very, very rarely work anything where we're up against other agencies or uh, definitely not portal driven. Um, but to answer your question, we don't lead with one product. And the reason for that is because we invest a lot more time in the discovery and the scope and understanding the pains and aligning ourselves to the challenges of the business. And then we make proposals relative to how we can enable to to solve those 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 pains um and at that point we're also objective as to whether or not we can have that impact so if if we enter a situation where we're having a conversation whether it's c-level or director level or vp level and we genuinely do not believe we can have the impact we will walk away from it um but, but to answer your question, retained, um, you know, big projects where we will work multi-region projects all in one, in kind of at one time, multiple consultants. So, so we, we really try to build projects and find solutions rather than just leading with one product, one size fits all. Fantastic. No, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, tell me, Simon, like, I'm sure many recruiters listening would love to work the way you're su- you're suggesting and um you know which is more solutions oriented rather than transactional and where they feel like they're what they're doing actually makes a difference it has an impact i think that there's you know that's appealing for sure and um sometimes there's barriers like it's not the lack of willingness. Now there there can be a lack of sophistication on behalf of the the recruitment agency where they're just not they don't have the capabilities you're describing, or they don't really, um, you know, they don't have that mindset. But there's another. I would say there's another group of recruiters who totally get what you're saying and would want to work that way. But it's some the, the client doesn't necessarily um, understand or perceive the value or want to engage on that basis or 
there's, uh, let's say, a talent acquisition function or an HR function where they want to interpose themselves between you and that VP, that CEO. So how have you guys addressed that within your business to even allow this strategic conversation to occur in the first place? That's a great, really great question. Um, so I think that there's, there's a couple of parts to this. So first of all, it's a matter of understanding when to walk away and being selective with your time. If you are trying to influence and talent acquisition is getting in the way, um, and this happens very often, or you're not able to influence at the right level and you're sucked into that transactional world, you have to be prepared to just walk away and say, unless this changes, we can't, we can't do that. So, but it's not as easy as that because you will always get sucked into the level that at where you communicate. So what I mean by that is, is you need to be able to elevate yourself above the noise. Otherwise, you will be relegated to the level that you are communicating. So if you are talking transactional, there is no way that C-level is ever going to talk to you. If you're talking about recruitment, and you're not talking their language, they will relegate you down to talent acquisition. So it's all well and good saying, I'm not going to sign up to that, but you have to be able to get above that. Um, and to get above that, you need to really align to the, the, the language, the, 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 the kind of the challenges, and really be able to talk the right language with the right people and being able to understand how can I align myself to the personal win of the individual that I'm gaining. And it's, it's not just about business outcomes. It's about if I'm going to help this VP, what is his personal win in this situation? What would help him in his quest? And if I can attach myself to that personal win, then he will champion me. He will make sure that talent acquisition do what I need them to do because I've now on a mission where I'm going to help him look good. So unless I understand what that personal win is, then how am I going to attach myself to that and how am I then going to influence? So those are the kind of the, 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 kind of the, 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 the strategies that we're trying to breed right from the grass, grassroots within our business and how can we get above the noise in everything that we're doing. I love that, Simon. It, I, it makes total sense. We, in our coaching program, we actually have an exercise where people uh, need to define their, the avatar of their ideal client. And it's a, quite a deep process. And we encourage them to actually interview, you know, either a client that is their ideal that they want to replicate, or maybe it's a senior candidate who is at the level that they want to um, interface with the organization, but they need to interview them and ask about, you know, what are those challenges, pain points, day-to-day, uh, -day, you know, uh, frustrations, uh, strategic priorities, you know, in other words, what and, and, and how do they benefit from achieving those goals personally? And then what is the consequence or cost if for them personally, if they don't achieve those goals? And to really, as you say, be able to speak their language because there is so much noise, the market is saturated. And in order to get people even willing to engage with you, you have to get above that noise and you're 
the language you use needs to really resonate for that individual so they know that you understand you know their worlds and they're then willing to you know to have that uh first contact with you um i'm f- but very few recruitment companies actually think this way so i'm really impressed that you guys are already um you know share that that mindset um you talked about methodology <clears throat> i'm really interested in the way you've differentiated yourself simon um You've got the Trinity search methodology. I'm just pulling things from your website and your LinkedIn. You've got the candidate spectrum of motivations. You've got the SOAP sales playbook. Um, could you tell me, like, what is the SOAP sales playbook and how does that, how, how did that come about? The sales playbook is probably one of the most transformational things that we've ever done in this business. Um, we're seeing recruiters that could barely bill doing 500,000 in half a year, um, you know, so it's a complete transformation that we're rolling out. So the so there are actually four playbooks that we're that we're working on. The first playbook is how can I influence the most high performing passive candidates in the market? And it's built on a number of different elements. So you've got psychology, you've got NLP, you've got um you know, best practice from a recruitment perspective. And the playbook one is all about if I'm going to differentiate myself and in order for me to be able to influence someone, I need to understand motivations. I need to understand pains. I need to understand um, how I can actually move this candidate's mindset from where they are currently to where they actually recognize that I can bring value so that I can influence them towards a certain direction. So so Playbook One is all about creating the perfect candidate um, execution, which we can teach repeatedly inexperienced recruiters how to elevate themselves and differentiate themselves and get above the noise and position themselves with a belief system as advisors so not communicating in a transactional way i have a job are you interested how can i talk about your career trajectory how can i talk about how i can help you build a career to get above the noise so that we can influence um and so playbook one just getting our recruiters to to believe and perceive themselves in a completely different way the language so it is a framework so there are some very specific modules of kind of what you need to do to kind of create that but ultimately not only are we're not giving a script we're 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 giving you a reference where there's a common standard across the entire business where everyone knows what exceptional looks like and we're all striving for it every single day to achieve that mastery and and that's what that's what the first playbook is about and there are kind of three other playbooks which kind of build on that Wow, that, I love this. What format does this take? Is it a training program? Is it a manual? Is it videos? Like what, how do you, um, how do you uh, enable your team to, ma- you know, on this quest to mastery? So we, we create crib sheets where we're able yeah. to kind of, um, so crib sheets being, there, is, there are certain levels. So level one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the crib sheets kind of define all the elements of the playbook. Um, and so, Every individual will listen. Every person in the business will listen to a call you know, on a weekly basis. We all sit down. We listen to calls together. And everyone knows exactly what the standard is 
against each every single element. So there's a common language, there's a common standard. It's not, oh, I thought that was good, or it's, it's no longer kind of subjective every manager thinking they have a different reference point of what good is everyone knows what good is and we're all working towards that and so from three weeks in the classroom so it's three weeks training program that we do for new starters they come out and day one they know exactly what standard they're aiming for and every person in the business has an appreciation of exactly where they are currently, what they're working towards and what exceptional looks like. And it's just a matter of constantly working on mastery to achieve, the, you know, incredible standards. I love it. You guys obviously invest heavily in training and development. So I'd love to talk about that. First, though, so you said there's four playbooks. What are the four? So playbook one is all about how do you influence a candidate? Um, okay. Playbook two is how do you then uh, control a candidate through a process. Um, so we use a lot of the best practice from um, tech sales. So we use a process like Medic, where we're really able to qualify exactly where we are in that process so that we can um, influence uh, outcomes from a candidate control perspective. So that's playbook two. Playbook three is about account management. So when we land into an account, how can we expand? How can we retain a, a kind of an account? So it's all about how do we create power charts within the organizations that we're, we're landing in? How do, we, um, how do we elevate ourselves within that? Um, and how do we maximize the impact we can have on an account? So that's playbook three. And playbook four is a pure new business playbook. So how can we go out and identify and bring on the best clients? So every playbook builds on what we've learned previously to create a kind of a common unified standard across across the business. I love it. I'm not familiar with Medic. What is that? So Medic is a it's a sales it's a qualification methodology that's used by the best technology sales companies in the world. Um, if it, I don't know whether you, you you watch the stock market, but there's been some incredible IPOs. Companies like Snowflake, MongoDB, Zscaler. Um, App Dynamics acquired by Cisco. They follow a very specific um, qualification methodology, and it's all about how they manage their deal cycle. Um, and it's a very, very, um, it's a very unique qualification process that they use, and it's a mindset ap approach to it as well. So we've taken elements to that and kind of built that into everything and baked that into what we do. Amazing! That's so cool. Oh, okay. I did a poll on LinkedIn recently to find out what fee percentage recruiters charge, and it confirmed what I'd learned from speaking with so many recruiters every day. The majority of recruiters are undervaluing their service and cutting their fees to become more competitive. Listen, if you want to protect your cash flow and build reserves to protect your business against whatever might happen in the future, you need to be earning more for each placement, not less. The challenge, of course, is how to increase your fees and still be competitive. iIntro has helped hundreds of recruiters to make small but critical adjustments to the way they pitch and win business so they can win more clients who are also willing to pay higher fees. For example, one of their clients typically earned £5,000 per placement. But just a few weeks after working with iIntro, she won a new piece of business on a retainer. So in other words, she got a deposit and her fee was an incredible £20,000, four times her average. If you'd like to see how iIntro can help you to grow your recruitment business and increase your average fees, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained and book a free consultation. 
There's no obligation. And if you mention that you're a listener of the Resilient Recruiter podcast, iIntro have pledged to offer you a 25% discount off any of their services. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to get started. Simon, I love how you describe your role on LinkedIn. Um, A lot of founders of recruiting firms who want to grow their business ask me, that they're like, Mark, I know how to build, but I don't actually know what the role of a CEO involves. Like, what is my job description? And you've written, owner of the SOAP processes, standards, and best practices, training development, setting strategy and vision, promoting culture and company values, um, which that sounds like the ideal job description for uh, a recruitment business leader. Um, could you talk a little bit about the culture and the values and how you guys have um, have set that up? Because a lot of recruiting companies, they, they might pay lip service to values, but if you ask the average, like if I went to the sales floor and asked one of the you know, team members, what are the company values? They wouldn't be able to tell me. And the culture is sort of by default rather than by design. So what have you guys done in terms of culture and values? Yeah, so, 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 so for, I need to obviously, uh, you know, that, that I have two business partners as well. Um, yes. So we're all at exactly the same level. And, and I think what we've, what we've done is we are focusing in making sure we are playing to our strengths. Um, Great. And I think that's really important. But from a values perspective, I think what's very, very unique about our business is that values is not just something we put up in the boardroom and say, oh, look, we've got these values. Isn't that, isn't that amazing, guys? We've got values. What, what, what does that mean? Actually, values, we spend three days when people join our business talking about values. Um, and the reason for that is because everything we do as a business, every decision we ever make comes from those values, who we hire, who we fire what processes we're going to build, what strategies we're going to execute. Everything comes with reference to those values. Um, those values are a culture of excellence. You know, what, are, what, what, you know, what does it take? What's the world-class mindset? What's, you know, what, what, what are those standards that we are striving for? But also making sure that we're surrounded by people that have the right growth mindset that value um, a culture of learning and development and are dedicated to mastery of the fundamentals but also doing it within an environment where everyone feels supported and, and really enjoys coming to work every single day and I think one of the things that we, we've done really well is finding that balance of culture of excellence but also making sure that we're surrounded by people that inspire us so that we can have a great journey and, and enjoy that journey with every single day. Amazing. I love that. Um, and so how did you guys, what was the process for <laughs> identifying the values in the first place? Um, so we actually, we actually read a book which was quite revolutionary for us. It's a book called Traction. And I'd definitely recommend any sales you know any any ceo or anyone that's thinking about their own their own agency i'd, I'd certainly recommend you, you look at that book um and one of the exercises is to understand what your values are um but what we did was we went and spent the best part of two weeks off-site me and my two business partners and we sp- spoke about well, we, we did a whole kind of brainstorming exercise on what 
our expectations are, what we believe are the most important attributes that we're looking for in an individual, what type of business we want to, to build. You know, how can we build a business that we would be proud of our children to work for and be part of? Uh, and we kind of reversed engineered it. So we kind of put all the post-it notes up um, up on the board and then slowly, slowly we, we, we started to group them together and then created kind of sentences which kind of aligned to those those values that really summarized those attributes that we thought were, were, were kind of most important. We actually initially came with 10 values. We've now reduced that down to six. But uh, they're values that we really kind of live and breathe every single day. Uh, great. I love that. And it's an awesome book, by the way, Traction. I, I agree 100%. I love how you guys really go all in on like you're describing like a three week onboarding for new hires. You're describing like offsite, you know, week long strategy days for the founders. You know, you guys are serious about this. This is not, you're not like just flying by the seat of your pants. You are really putting the work in here. And I want to understand that mindset because one of the barriers I come across with recruitment company owners, and they say they want to grow, but at the same time they say, and if I describe something like, okay, we need to work out the values of the business, they'd be like, oh, I don't have time to do that, Mark. You know, I'm just, we're, we're, we've got all these clients, we've, we need to do deals. And they almost feel like they're too busy working in the business to work on the business. How have you guys approached that from the perspective of, you know, it is demanding, you do have competing priorities in your time. How do you... Um, carve out appropriate time to work on st strategic stuff. I think you're absolutely right. Working in the business rather than working on the business. I think that's an absolute mindset, sh a mindset shift that needs to happen. I think part, part of the problem with the idea of growing a business is that they, a lot of, a lot of the biggest misconception is that growing the business is putting more business people in your business. Growing the business is investing in your own growth. Um, and I, th I think one of the things that we've recognized and we realize is that for us to get the business to 100, 150, 200 people, which is what we're aiming for, what we know now is not enough for when that business gets to the next phase. So unless we're constantly investing in our own growth and our own development, we will, we will become obsolete. And actually, the potential of this business is limited by our ability to plateau so we need to invest that time this is not just a clients take a priority over our growth our growth comes first and the clients will come and and, and, awesome. and, and it is about that priority so i think the sticking point for most owners is let's say you're a billing manager you've got your own you know target, you're trying to make placements, manage your own workload, and you've got a team you're trying to train and, and, and mentor them. And how, like when you're at that point in your uh, evolution, Simon, what, like how physically, so the mindset I love, that's brilliant. Physically, what, how do you create that separation and say, okay, guys, like, you know, we're going to, allocate this amount of time to working on values or what have you like is it just a choice like just a decision we're doing it and you know we're going to carve out that time or 
How do you? This, how do you? This is a very complicated question, and, and I'll tell you right. why. It's because we've re, we we have redesigned the will, and, and this is the truth, right? Okay. So, billing managers in the conventional way is a process which we believe is 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 quite broken. You don't have the time to train, to manage, to mentor, to do new business, to bring on clients, to 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 do everything that you need to do. And one of the things that we've built in the business is a concept of no ceilings, right? So no ceilings is you, you, you focus on what you are, you love to do and what you're, what you're most capable of doing. Managers are non-billing, have to come off the tools. Um, if you're a manager, you do management for the right reasons, not because it's the only way that you can grow. Um, so we, we want managers that love nothing more than enabling others. Now, that's not necessarily training because training is a function. So, so we're creating a business services function, which is a platform which enables everyone to elevate. So training and development, talent acquisition, um, legal, HR, everything kind of fits within, within business services. And that then enables um, managers to go out and make sure that they're, they're they're mentoring, they're helping consultants become on top of their day, know exactly where they are, understand where their priorities are, really give them the support that they need in order to be able to achieve mastery, execute, you know, be on top of everything that they've committed to, create the level of accountability which is needed to be able to scale a business. And then we've created other functions which are the account management functions where if you are exceptional at client relationships, that you don't like new business, we've got account management functions where you can go out and you know and really kind of grow within within that within that field, and you can earn life changing money doing what you're good at. You don't have to do a bit of everything to be able to achieve that. So we've spent a lot of time looking at that, but the only way you can do that is by creating the central standards, which is where the playbook comes in. So training comes in and every single person that comes into this business operates at the same standard, at the same rhythm. There, there's no silos. There's no, you know, we do it slightly differently to anyone else. Because of those common standards, everyone knows exactly the standards that they've signed up to and there's complete trust for collaboration across the whole business. So we're not working as individuals, we're not working as silos, we're all working as one big team focusing on doing what we're good at. Amazing, that's so cool. Um, so what are the functions then, if I'm a fee earner uh, working at SOAP, uh, what are the different paths that I can take um, to you know, be the best version of myself? So there's new business, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, some people absolutely love new business. And, you know, the way that we've set the commission structure up in our business is that um, you get a split of every single deal that anyone delivers on any of your accounts. Um, so as a new business person, th this, this is an incredible opportunity for you to just go out there and bring on the best accounts. Um, there is complexity to that, like everything, in, in, in the terms of how we you know, how, how we measure what a good account is. And that's part of the Trinity search methodology, which you mentioned earlier, which is a, a central standard of what a good account looks like in order for the teams to work it. But uh, I, I suppose, you know, so the new business function, the account management function, which is, as I mentioned before, I, I, I don't want to necessarily manage and I don't necessarily want to do new business. So what I want to do is I just want to go out there and, and either manage accounts or, or, or just deliver on on really exceptional you know exceptional roles that are very well qualified, 
where the roles are exclusive, retained, or, or, or kind of otherwise. And then obviously we've got um, you know the, the the management route, which is you know off the tools, pure management. I, I manage a team, and I, I and I make sure that I do everything in my and I, I am accountable to make sure that my team delivers, you know, to to, to what we commit to on a quarterly basis. And what about recruiting? Is that a, is that part of the account management function, or is that a separate? Your candidate, um, you know, headhunting and that sort of thing. So actually our associates that come into the business um, have to master the art of recruitment before they do new business. So okay. so that kind of starts. So, so you go through two promotions and then once you become senior consultant is when you, you start to really choose your path in the business. Um, so everyone starts and then the account management is where you kind of continue to, to kind of be more on the, on the delivery side. But, but there is also account development within that as well. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. So everybody needs to know how to recruit, and that's the starting point yep. when people come into the business. And then from there, um, once they become senior, then they can more specialize. Am I going to do more new business or am I going to do the account management? Exactly. And we teach them the playbook. So as they go through the various promotions, they're taught the various playbooks. Um, and, and you don't have to commit. You, know, you, you, you really find what you enjoy and what you're good at. Um, and we just make sure there's no ceiling for you. So you can become a partner in the business. You can become a director in the business just by doing what you enjoy doing and, and, and what you're good at doing. Um, and that's something that we're really, really passionate about. That's really interesting. I love that. Since you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you're someone who's interested in personal growth and business improvement. That's something we have in common. I really enjoy listening to podcasts, reading, and listening to business books, watching TED Talks. But by far the most important investment I've made in my own development has been working with a coach. It started back in 1999, 2000, when I was working as a recruiter. I hired a coach and he helped me to double my billings in 90 days. It was, it sounds corny, but it was really a life-changing experience. Since then, I've worked with various coaches almost continuously over the years, and it's made a massive difference to my own personal and business success. In fact, that first experience of working with a coach was the catalyst for me ultimately deciding that much as I loved recruitment, my true purpose was to become a coach and enable others to achieve their full potential. Fast forward to today, and I work with recruitment business owners to help them escape the feast and famine roller coaster and create consistent, predictable billings. If you'd like to know more, you can apply for a free strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. Can we talk more about training development? Because it seems like something you guys have really focused in on. And, and I feel like it's getting better and better. Like in, when I started recruitment, Simon, it was 1997 and there was no training. Like it was like, uh, it was a medium sized, I would say like we had 25 recruiters or something like that. And it was just, okay, Mark, there's your desk, there's your phone, you know, go make cold calls. And when you get a job, we'll teach you what to do next. And um, the best companies I see now actually have a much more sophisticated approach to this, but you guys seem to be at a really high level with this. So what does your learning and development evolve? Learning and development is not something you do at the beginning. It's yeah. something that you do every single day, every week. Um, we are so, so passionate and dedicated to learning and development that um, one of the things that we um, 
that we recruit against is that coachability and the mindset of always wanting to grow. That's a non-negotiable. And so I mentioned that at the beginning, it's a very, very steep learning curve, three weeks. You know, a, a lot of it is, um, you know, interactive, multi, um, multi so it's, it's a blended learning kind of environment that we create you know that that initial incubation those first three weeks but then it's constant mastery so in order for you to be promoted uh, to become from an associate to a consultant it's no longer just about revenue for us it's about mastery and revenue it's not even it's not even revenue it's mastery and um and 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 kind of achieve achievement um but we don't want people to just chase revenue we want people to chase mastery and the revenue will come so what we do is um as soon as you kind of finish your your training every week we do mastery sessions where we're working on one part of the playbook every single week and they have to achieve mastery of each section and we build and we build and we build and we build and then once you become promoted you start working on the next playbook and then once you get promoted to the next one there's two more playbooks so there is always something that we are working on to just create that marginal gain on every single thing that we do that's where the world-class that's what defines world-class is doing that little bit more than anyone else the best athletes in the world don't just turn up and, and, and achieve greatness. They train better than everyone else. Um, and that's the kind of thing that we try to replicate in our business. Love it. So those small improvements every single week compound and, you know, create a massive difference over over time, multiplied across your whole team. I think that's that's powerful. So you've got the initial incubator three weeks, then you've got the mastery sessions weekly, which lines up with the playbooks. Is there anything else that you guys are doing differently? Yeah. So we, on top of that, we also do call listening as an entire business at least one hour every single every single uh, week. Um, irrelevant of how busy you are, you have to attend these sessions um, because there's always there's always value, and it's we, we choose a call at random. We spend an hour analysing it against the playbook, and and we kind of stick together. And then on top of that. There is always, um, you know, people available to, um, to, to to kind of support. So if, if someone needs, you know, specific support on a on a particular aspect, we are, you know, we're, we're signing up to that. You know, we're, we 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 ask them to come and, you know, we make sure we find the time to support people. So is that the manager's job then to do that day to day coaching and and uh, you know, uh, support or? Yeah. So there's bench coaching daily which is, you know, there's that concept, because we've got the playbook, everyone knows what the standard is. You can bench coach a lot easier. We do, you know, weekly weekly training and, and mentoring monthly. But it's a combination of structured, proactive, it's proactive training, but also reactive training. You know, I, 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 you know when, when we're out on the floor and we hear people struggling with, with, with certain things, we pull them to one side and we, we, we work on that. And, and we're constantly, you know, helping people improve and, and, and plug those gaps. Amazing. That call listening, I think is brilliant, but it also sounds really high pressure, Simon. Like if my call is being listened to by the whole company, um, you know, that that could be quite intimidating. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think because we've created a culture of learning, what we what we what we try to not do is show this is a call you're doing a good job or you're doing a bad job. 
Right. Every time we listen to a call, it's not a matter of judging the call. It's a matter of what can we learn from this right. and how can we improve. So I think, yes, when you're in the hot seat, you know, it could be a little bit uncomfortable. I don't think anyone find it's uncomfortable naturally. But I think that we've created that culture where people kind of embrace that and they, they accept that it's all for the right reasons. It's not to it's not to show people up. It's the opposite. It's we can all improve. We can all learn. And as long as people understand how this can be transformational for them, you know, to give them the things that they aspire to in, 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 in their life. You know, it's it's through mastery that you're going to achieve those things. It's through mastery that you're going to, you know, have those holidays, buy those houses, buy those cars, whatever is important to you. Um, and so you have to be dedicated to that. So, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think the culture and the way that it's framed and the way that it's coached makes a massive difference to whether it's a positive experience for someone and it's um, it's a great learning opportunity or whether they feel like under attack it's all how you how you manage that and if they feel if they know that you guys um, are supporting them and they're to help them on this journey of mastery and help them achieve their goals and to improve and everybody what I like about this Simon is it's like a mindset from the top down. Everybody can improve. Everybody is on this, you know, growth uh, journey. And whether it's the, you know, the, the executive directors or the managers or the associates or the, or the consultants, um, everybody is um, on that journey together rather than it's just the, like the trainees or the consultants who, you know, you're trying to whip into shape. I think that's powerful. Um, I know that one challenge for a lot of growing recruiting firms is, ironically, it's hard to hire the right people. <laughs> and we're good at filling jobs for our clients, but then internal recruiting is challenging. And right now, people are saying, you know, because the market is so hot, and whereas last year, companies were furloughing people and letting people go, and, you know, it's a bloodbath. And this year, you know, it's reversed quickly. People, uh, companies are changing gears and trying to now, you know, hire back people or, or grow their teams. There's huge competition for those, you know, those recruiters. What is what is the um, what's the SOAP approach to internal recruitment? Um, so we don't hire on experience. We hire on attributes. Um, so we really look at the psychology of what it takes to be a high-performing individual. And we try and identify the attributes and then enable them through training, through development, through mentoring, through management, through all of these and the platform. So I suppose one of the, one of the biggest challenges is you know, finding recruiters that have been successful previously. A lot of the time it can be intertwined. It's a, it's a, it's a marriage between the person and also the platform, you know, the, the, the environment that they're in, you know, the, the, the accounts, the, the style. And I think that part of the challenges is that a lot of the time, you know, in previous companies we've worked in is sometimes it's, it just doesn't fit. Um, and, and I think what we're trying to do is, is because we do 
teach in such a unique way. We're trying to find people from other industries and teach them and, you know, give them the tools, find the right people with the right attitude, with the right mindset, with the right values, and then give them the tools to just absolutely fly. I love it. So I guess the obvious question is, number one, where how do you find these people? But number two, um, how do you identify the attributes you're looking for? So I'll answer the first one. So Leanne was incredible at doing that because that's exactly what she did with me. So, um, you know, let's, let's, give, let's give some kudos to Leanne. But I, I suppose, you, you, first of all, you need to know what you're looking for before you go and decide where you're going to find it, right? And we, we hire against ICE criteria, which is we hire, you know, intelligence, which is street smart, book smart. We need people with a certain intellectual horsepower to be able to learn the things that we're going to teach them because it is a steep learning curve but then once the learning starts it never stops so if you don't have the capacity to learn and you don't have the want to learn then it's just not going to happen you're never going to reach the standards where you're going to feel fulfilled within our business um, the second one is coachability so if the if you've got all the intelligence but the glass is full and there's no room for anything else then that's probably one of the things that's quite difficult to 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 uh, to hire against when we are talking to our candidates, we are really looking out for, you know, is this person someone that we can we can mould and, and really help to, to, to develop? Character, which is all about resilience. Um, you know, are they someone that really fights for it or are they someone that, um, you know, when the, when the chips are down and the going gets tough, you know, they, they, they hide. And, and we, we want people that, you know, have the right, mindset or to rise to a challenge and then experience is not necessarily recruitment experience we do we do hire experienced recruiters and, and we would welcome them but they have to also have the attributes that we're looking for um but experience is more about you know have they been a high performer in previous roles have they had good tenure have they shown that you know there is kind of good pr progression um you know those are the types of things that we look for in experience so so that's the kind of the the, the ice criteria that we we hire against that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, what's the methodology for evaluating, though, against that? Because, you know, let's take um, character, resilience, um, you know, what's what's it's something which everybody's going to tell you that they have. Right. Um, so how do you test that to verify? We put them through a very, very rigorous and very targeted recruitment process. Um, it's actually a, f it's a four stage process, but by the end of it, we have a very good understanding of exactly what we're getting. Um, so I suppose the very final stage is an hour and a half, three stage process. But before that, there are a number of, a number of stages that we go through which enable us to really understand exactly what we're working with, but also give the buy-in. So the first three stages is not necessarily about, it's not a one-way interview. It's about making sure that by the time they get to that final interview, they want it so much that they're willing to work for the final stage. Um, so I suppose that's one of the unique things about how we, how we try, to, um, try to recruit. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Um, 
what uh tell me about your podcast simon Be- why why did you guys launch um hunters and unicorns great great title by the way uh, so hunters and unicorns um is a very is, is probably one of the biggest thing that's ever happened to this business. Um, so during lockdown last year, everyone went kind of into panic mode. Everyone went into, let's get on the phones and smash the phones. And I think that's the time where we actually, as a, as a leadership team, we took a deep breath and said, what can we do that's different right now? And what we did was we discovered this very, very unique story within the technology sales store, within technology sales, where um, 33 CXOs, uh, 33 C-level sales executives had basically learned a playbook from one man, a, a man called John McMahon. And these 33 CXOs worked with him at a company um, maybe 15, 20 years ago. And he, it was, it was one sales organization, barely a hundred. And these 33 um, C-level execs have now gone on to become CXOs at some of the best technology companies in the world. And they all run this very, very unique playbook. So when we discovered this story, we said, well, no one's actually told this story in this entirety. We've heard pockets of this story but no one has actually gone out there and brought this whole story together and really packaged this up so hunters unicorns was um we, we basically created this this uh, this this called podcast series and we've created an amazing amazing following and it's 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 really enabled us to to kind of showcase uh what we do but to be honest with you we did it for the right reasons it was never about the new business. It was about really immersing ourselves and positioning ourselves within our industry and bringing value. And and I think that you know the way that we have positioned it, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, we're we're doing it for the right reasons, and as a result, we're getting the right outcomes in in really elevating our profile and 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 helping ourselves elevate above the noise, which is what where we started at the at the at the, at the beginning of this uh, session. Yes, indeed. I think it's uh, it's a brilliant idea, and I lo- I love the you guys have done a I mean it's really high, um, you know high quality what you've what you've put together here. Um, so people check out huntersandunicorns.com. I launched my podcast purely uh, coincidentally at the just before lockdown, so it was December twenty nineteen, and I'm. And then actually it became, it was almost the perfect timing because it, during lockdown, it enabled me to really build a sort of tribe and community of like-minded people and to support people and give them ideas and inspiration um, to kind of just get through that really, really tough, um, you know, challenging period that we've all experienced. And it really has taken off, and uh, I'm I'm so glad and grateful that I had the opportunity to to do that. Um, and it, as a byproduct of that, it's actually become my best source of new business as well. Um, but uh, that's kind of yeah, is a byproduct, and and um, I've grown like for me, it's a personal growth. Uh, vehicle as well, right? Because I get to learn from people like Simon Kudis and it gives me a platform to reach out to like smart, successful people and pick their brains and and learn as much as I can from them. So it, like I would do it for free, even if there was no commercial 
benefit. I just really, really enjoy it. Uh, what's been your experience of of hosting the, a, a podcast? Well, it's been probably the most eye-opening, inspirational thing that I've ever done because I, we're, we're interviewing the you know the highest performing technology sales leaders in the world, and we're spending hours and hours and hours with these individuals. And the amount, so I, I the, the way I position my podcast is that. I'm asking the questions because I have a quest, a thirst for knowledge. I really want to learn from them. So, you know, uh, selfishly, I'm not thinking about my my listeners or my viewers. We're, we're not thinking about that. We're asking the questions and and t- to learn. And I think that as we are learning, people are kind of learning with that. And and I think that I, I completely agree with you. Is you know, just uh, just spending that time with these people. And, and that's been the inspiration behind our playbooks. A lot of the, the strategies that we um, employ within our business, the ICE criteria, the methodologies, the processes, the qualification methodologies, the training, everything that we do is inspired by what we've learned by these interviews. Um, so not only has it helped us to better service our industry, it's also been transformational to the way that we run our own business. And I think that's probably the most, it's, it's been the most humbling and most inspirational thing that I think we've ever, we've ever done. Amazing. Simon, listen, this has been phenomenal. You've uh, delivered so much value today. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, so if people want to reach out to you, the website is so much which is a cool URL. <laughs> And, uh, or of course, look up Simon Kudis on LinkedIn. It's uh, K-O-U-T-T-I-S. Of course, full links and details will be in the show notes at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash podcast. Simon, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. I know how busy recruiters are, so I'm honored that you're investing this time with me each week. I don't take your attention for granted. That's why I'm going all out to deliver value for you here, real insights you can apply to improve your business. And if you really want to help me to reach a wider audience and impact more people, please consider leaving the show a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave me a review, please reach out and let me know so I can thank you personally. Please hit the subscribe button and I'll see you next time.